we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Peter Lynch and uh, going over a few of uh, our listener questions. If you have your own questions, we'd love to hear from you. Question hotline number 1-855-429-9166. Email us at drgene at hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can go to our website, or you can give us a call and talk to a real person, 770-429-9166, uh, where you can ask for our radio show producer, Kelly Lynn, or you can uh, ask for, if you have questions directly that you'd like to have answered, you can ask for Peter, or you could ask for Jarrett, or if you just want to talk about things that really don't matter and a lot of fun, you can call Spin and the wheel. ask for Troy. Talk to Troy. I mean, <laughs> That's true. I can answer everything else. Oh, yeah, you um, got all the answers, like we said earlier in the show. Oh, right? yeah, all the answers. Um, but, you know, two years ago, it was all the rage. You got to have cryptocurrency. Yeah. You got to have all the stuff. It was up 800% at some point mm-hmm. in uh, 2016, I believe. Uh, since then, it's only fallen about eh, maybe 80%. Yeah, no big deal. It'll come back, right? <laughs> I guess it's no big deal if you didn't invest in it. Um, Does that mean it's on sale? But there are people that, that actually do this. In fact, we might even have one of them on our show today. Slightly. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I always there, said, Peter? you know, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't think Peter's got a mining operation. But maybe <laughs> do not. He does. Do not. Um, but you have invested a little bit here and there, right? Yep. And yeah. and I always call this more of a speculation than an investment. So if if you were going to do anything with that, I always said spread it around. You don't know which one's going to be the ultimate winner. If and what would really happen uh, or have to happen in order for you to be able to really benefit from this is um, crypto would have to become the the next wave in currency. I just really never saw the disruptive nature of crypto relative to the fact that we can we can uh, have transactions, electronic transactions based on the dollar, it always you know made me struggle. And then people would go to the blockchain. Well, you can apply blockchain to pretty much anything at this mm-hmm. point. It doesn't have to be related to any currency. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of folks have said. You know that was that was the real benefit to our economy or our society in the long term was going to be that blockchain. And, it, and it's still getting plenty of play. And even uh, J.P. Morgan, I think Jamie Dimon, oh, was yeah. one of the biggest critics of the cryptocurrency, but have now instituted, or will soon, no, they, the blockchain started, technology, yeah. which right. you've got to separate those two. Right, right. But it, it's it's from which it emanated. I mean, exactly. that's, that's where it started. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's the that's the sad story, dog of the week for the week. Um, <clears throat> it uh, might not get all the play that Jarrett wanted, but hey, you know what? It can't please everybody. That's a good one. First time I've heard crypto or Bitcoin or any of that in, in a while. Month. Right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's moved on to cannabis. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> well, hey, I know uh, there's people asking daily almost. Uh, yeah. I don't know why aren't we looking at it? I say, well, you, you, there's a lot of things we look at you don't know about, and well, we don't we don't talk about those things constantly because some of the stuff we're looking at maybe is not all that attractive. But yeah. you know, you guys in research and, and the team oh, down there, are, constantly. yeah, there there are many many things, and that's one of them because you know that could be a viable industry one day that, that maybe there is some potential in. But for now, well, I mean, it's, it's not it's it's not legal on a federal level, yeah, so you right. can't bank the profits. How are you going to invest in something that's got mm-hmm. regulation against it? Now, I believe ultimately we will see 
uh, cannabis legalized on mm-hmm. a national level. It just seems like it's got that much momentum. Yeah, it's on that and, path for sure. And if it does, then we'll probably see next step. I would think big tobacco actually wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we well, they've saw, got the cash flow. It looks like a lot of these companies now. I mean, Jacob and I, you know, we were looking at it a few days ago, and most of them, they're they're not, they don't have positive earnings. Right. You know, I mean, it, there's just they're right. dumping everything into these operations. Well, and I'll tell you this: cannabis didn't get quite the pop that uh, that uh, cryptocurrencies did back when they were in their heyday. But but you can feel. I mean, there's there seems to be these these smaller waves, but they get so much momentum, and people don't understand them. But the price goes up. Uh, we've seen situations in the, you know, related to cannabis, where, you know, a company will change its name to make sure that you know that it's about yeah. cannabis. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, they make, you know, scientific beakers or something that's used in a lab. It's it could be <laughs> right. used in anything, and they call themselves cannabis. So people start investing, and the next thing you know, you've got this, in my opinion, mm-hmm. out of control. A crazy train of of uh, momentum that's got the prices to the point where I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot stick. Yeah. And you know, then then the phone starts ringing. Oh, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I'm watching it. <laughs> right. And quite often, watching it is a is a, is an active portfolio decision. You know, mm-hmm. you sit there and look, and it's like hey, it's not investable. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, you know, who who stands to to benefit the most if that day does come? And you know, like you just said, a lot of these big tobacco companies they're sure, gonna yeah. they're gonna have the cash flows to continue supporting those operations and, and will probably find that pretty attractive that they don't have yeah. to start from the ground and up. And the distribution. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, Troy, you've been saying that for a couple of years now. That right. if it's going to get mainstream, yeah, that's, that's probably what, where it's gonna come from. And and you've seen those big tobacco companies start getting themselves in position to, to deal with that as well as electronic cigarettes. Uh, you know, there's there's a few things going on in there, and at the same time, the prices on tobacco stocks have just gone through the floor. I mean, some of those stocks have got very, very attractive dividend mm-hmm. yields. Um, mm-hmm. I know this wasn't something we were going to touch on all that much, but hey. It's a hot topic right since now. Since we're really here, is. why not? Yeah. But, uh, anyway, so, all right. So, uh, as I've mentioned, i um, love to answer your questions. We do have one here from uh, P. Anderson from Smyrna says, uh, I've held Hasbro since January 2015. I've done all right, but the last two months have been hard to watch. I did get beaten up toward the end of the year. Uh, I started uh, looking at Activision Blizzard, wondering if there might be more growth there. Um, Any insight is appreciated. Well, you know, Hasbro has bounced back a good bit, but uh, if you look and and you're talking about growth, Hasbro is a company that actually generates most of its revenue from from toys and and uh, action figures, I don't know, Jared, do you ever have a GI Joe with a Kung Fu just grip? Just a couple, just along a couple. with He-Man and yeah. uh, a few others. Yeah. yeah. Well, my dad didn't let me play with dolls, but you know, sometimes you can you can deal with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if dolls. That's... Oh, it's not like that. Watch your mouth, Troy. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> Jared. Um, people in Pauling County don't listen to the radio anyway, so you, you're you're uh, you're still good out there. You're still welcome at home. I don't know when G.I. Joe's going to pop up around the corner. You better be careful. You're probably right. <laughs> that kung fu grip will get you every time. Uh, so anyway, Hasbro is more, more, you know, um, physical. Like I said, yeah, it is. It is, you know, and and uh, Activision Blizzard is more of an electronic gaming type company. It's been a while since they've come out with some, some of the new stuff, but um, you know, they are very different. 
Uh, Activision is a much bigger company, about $30 billion, $32 billion in market cap, I believe, versus uh, Hasbro's $11. Um, but when you look at the growth rates, actually Hasbro looks as if it has been growing faster than uh, than Activision Blizzard. And most of this, the, both of these companies are really uh, entrenched in their methodologies. They grow from buybacks, which, Jared, you've already mentioned Buybacks are not necessarily the best way to grow, but both of them also have been out there buying up uh, new companies over the last seven or eight years. Basically, in the last business cycle, both of them have been very active buyers of other smaller companies. Um, <clears throat> Hasbro has picked up um, more of the board games and and uh, some of the some of the branded products in in those um, uh, toys that we had mentioned earlier and uh activision has done the same but really with more electronic uh gaming type companies so um going forward uh analysts expect that um activision blizzard's going to grow at about six and a half percent a little better than that and and they think hasbro's probably growing at around nine percent and uh that's usually the numbers that we use is kind of the consensus among the analysts that cover the two companies um, but I will say that um, I believe the better growth market, the better potential for growth is with uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, but I will say that Hasbro is actually meets our criteria for investment based on financial strength and safety. So it's and, and Activision does not. Activision yeah. does not. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's dangerous. Right. But if you look at the pricing, you know, mm. as far as as far as Activision goes, yeah. it actually looks more attractive because its price is not uh, ramped up as much. Oh, yeah. They're down about 50 percent in the past six months. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and lost a significant amount recently. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is the fact that they're coming off that potential growth high. Right. Uh, you look at the valuation, like I say, I, I hate to recommend one or the other. Uh, because the one that looks the best from the fundamentals is actually one that doesn't meet our criteria. So right. I would say, you know, if you if you're hanging on to uh, if you're hanging on to Hasbro, it's done all right. It's probably still doing all right. I'd say that's that's a, a decent just a better hold. Yeah, better hold. If I was going to do it for now. Here we go. Uh, we got a question. From Alan Daniel from Roswell uh, says, how often should I meet with my financial advisor? We just signed on with an advisor. He's not managing our money, but he's giving us um, the plan and the recommendations. Obviously, we'll go in when there are major changes, but how often should I meet up with my advisor just as a checkup? Uh, We pay hourly for his services. So there you go, guys. I think one of the key words that you said was uh, checkup. So a lot of times you can relate that to going to the doctor. Whether they want to see you at least once a year, right? At least once a year. And then the big question, too, is are you going to be reactive? Are you going to wait till you're sick or wait till your portfolio is in trouble? Or are you going to be proactive and meet right. with them regularly and make sure you're on track? Um, again, everybody, we've mentioned it multiple times, everybody's situation is different. So uh, how often you meet may dictate... Uh, you know, how complex your situation is. Yeah, and things change that that might not be directly related to you. Like last year, we had a tax situation. That, you know, the whole tax code got more or less rewritten. We've had a lot of questions this year about uh, not us directly, but you know, people that uh, thought that they 
their their taxes actually went up when in reality they didn't. Um, but uh, you know things like that that are that you might not even notice. Uh, obviously, there was a lot made about the tax changes, but uh, the situation changes uh, sometimes. You know, without your situation specifically changing, and it's good if you talk to your advisor, they should be the one that's kind of on point with those kind of changes as well, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I think it, Alan as well. If you're paying an advisor on hourly uh, on an hourly rate, then it's probably good when you do sit down with them to figure out what the the thresholds are, the the deviation, if you will. It's kind of one of the things that we're watching when we're actively managing money for clients and trying to keep things within a certain range, whether it be the plan or the investments. And if you know what those thresholds are, and you guys are updating things when you do meet. As you watch it, you know, on your own, uh, as things change in the market, as things change in your life, if if those circumstances or your investments start to deviate and get to a certain point that it's without, uh, or I should say outside of those thresholds, then, you know, that might be an indication it's time to get back together so we can kind of bring this, this back uh, to where we want it, uh, that, that target allocation, if you will, the, the target range, and make sure that it's within that. And, and, you know, if you are watching things on your own and only paying an advisor hourly, uh, then presumably you are monitoring things yourself, and that's something to, to certainly keep in mind and, and try to set those thresholds, know them, and, and ask your advisor that when you do meet them so that you know kind of what that range is. Yeah, that's one thing that you really do need to watch is uh, think about last year. Jared, you and I know – uh, talked about this quite a bit, how much technology had outpaced every other sector in the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you get to a situation like that, um, having that conversation with your advisor, he should be able to point out that, you know, your your portfolio is overweight. A lot of people want to let the big dog eat, though. And <laughs> right. it can actually get you in a mess because when we saw the decline in the market in the fall of 2018, who was hit the hardest? Mm-hmm. It was all those NASDAQ stocks, right? Everything right. that was listed on the NASDAQ uh, technology took a beating. And I know, you know, we have clients from time to time that really get caught up in that mentality. Well, it's it's been running. I, I really don't want to do that. We tell them, mm-hmm. you know, you probably ought to rebalance back to your long-term strategy. Let's uh, take a little bit of the money off the table because in doing that, you're taking risk off the table. Yep. I was just going to say you're controlling that risk as well. Right. Yeah, and and that's a major issue. If you you know just uh, one of the things that's easy to do is to look at that bottom line. Oh well, my account grew or mm-hmm. my account shrunk or whatever. Looking more granular, which your advisor can help you do, is always a great idea. Yeah. And the same is true on the opposite side. If you're underweighted, right? Say in, when technology crashed in yeah, well, two thousand, you would have wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, we would have wanted to have a higher allocation when the market recovered. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so when things contract or or even if they get left behind, even if the performance is reasonable and, you know, and it, the, the pricing looks OK, um, look at what's happened to utilities lately and how are they doing middle mm. of last year? Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge example. point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's that's good advice as to how often to meet with your advisor, you know. Uh, and the kind of things that they might be able to bring up. So we got another question here. Seth from College Park asks, are there any bank stocks you like right now? What if I just said no? <laughs> well, the I'm way financials were looking on these reports you gave me earlier, I'd say uh, that is the case. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, his question goes on. I have shares of Wells Fargo, but it, is, it hasn't impressed me much in the last year. Uh, are there better opportunities out there? You know, Wells Fargo was on my recommended list for a long time. 
I did pull that away last year, and most of it is a governance issue. You know, the fact that they had all these accounts that got opened, the company really couldn't answer as to why. Then, you know, it was reported that there were even more accounts than they had known it at first. It just seems like a, a comedy of errors at some point. Then I couldn't log into my account for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, there's mm. all kind yeah, of issues. Just recently, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Technology so. issues. So, uh, you know, while while I think the bank did quite a good job navigating 2008 and 9, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of Wells Fargo. And if you ask what you did, uh, what then? Uh, if it were me, I'd, I don't like banks right now because I truly believe that we're kind of late in the business cycle. Mm-hmm. I believe that we're likely to see things slow down uh, going forward, and, and it's not really a good environment for banks when you start seeing that. Uh, the one thing that you can watch is their net interest margin. Basically, in order to do business, banks borrow money short term, and they lend it out long term. So when you have a yield curve that looks normal, you can make more on the 10-year or mm-hmm. the 30-year in their case. A lot of them, you know, loan for mortgages and things like that. Right. So the the 10 or the 30-year uh, interest rate is much higher than the three-month or the nine or 12-month. And that differential between what they borrow, the rate they borrow at, and what they lend at is uh, – is significantly impacted when you see the economy slow down. Well, so you think that mm-hmm. margin is going to remain low now that interest rates are kind of coming to a, well, a, a slowdown or a told you there's a there's still an inversion in the belly of the curve. Mm-hmm. The the short term interest rates are actually higher than some of the longer term interest rates. It's a it's not a normal uh, sign. In yeah. fact, it's a sign usually of a slowdown, an impending slowdown. We didn't get the two in the ten year, which is the longer term. Uh, signal that we look for before you start pounding the table about a recession. We're not there yet, um, but it, it still wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, you know, you got unemployment at 3.7%, I think it is. Uh, it's really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of room to go lower. Um, you start seeing wage growth, uh, you know, mm-hmm. build. That's usually the sign of the first signs of, of significant inflation, uh, the, the Fed's already got us in a spot where they raised interest rates until the yield curve kind of did something wonky. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I would uh, edge away from banks at the moment. Uh, something yeah. like ICE, um, Intercontinental Exchange, might mm-hmm. be a good choice. Uh, one that I really like is, is Travelers uh, Property and Casualty Insurer. If you look at them, they got a bait of about 0.83 through the last downturn. They did significantly better and the overall market, that's not to say they didn't lose money. They did. They lost, but instead of 52%, they lost significantly less. So, you know, if it were me looking to invest money in financials at the moment, I'd probably go with an insurer that gets a good portion of its money from uh, from its income, from its uh, portfolio of bonds. All right, you've been listening to Money Talks. Thanks for listening. Market's going to be up next week. Got to be. Absolutely. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. 
Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.